The Permian Basin is an abundant oil and gas producing area. Already one of the world's leading oil producing regions, the area in West Texas and Southeastern New Mexico could nearly double crude oil production by the year 2023. But who are the leaders behind this economic powerhouse? And what is their story? This is Permian Perspective. I'm your host, Krista Escamilla. Today's show is sponsored by Baker Hughes, who recently launched a new and reimagined Baker Hughes brand. As an energy technology company, they strive to make energy safer, cleaner, and more efficient for people and the planet. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode. So nice to be spending this time with you. And it's so nice to welcome our guest today. I'm sitting here in Midland, Texas with the mayor of Midland, Texas and business owner, Jerry Morales. Jerry, thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Krista. Hello. How are you doing? Hello out there. I'm doing great. So nice to have you here and so fun. We've interviewed on on TV for several years, but now this is our first podcast. So I'm so excited. (laughs) Technology. I know. Isn't it great? The new 21st century. So cool. It is great. And I can't wait to hear your story. You have such an amazing story. And so we're going to get into that in just a second. But first, I want to thank everyone who has shared our podcast with friends, family, and colleagues. We have listeners now all over the world, and of course, right here in the Permian Basin. And I really appreciate each and every one of you. I also would like to ask everyone to help our show out by taking a few minutes to leave a review on iTunes. I cannot thank you enough for doing this. We're appreciative of the reviews that we've received so far, like this five-star review from Srinivas in Austin, Texas. Srinivas said, each Monday, it's refreshing to await the Permian perspective, learning all about who's who and the details. I want to visit Midland one day. Krista is a pleasure to hear. Keep it going, especially with new startups. So thank you so much, Srinivas, for that kind, kind review. We appreciate you. And it's so easy. You just go to iTunes go to Permian Perspective and click the five-star review. So thank you ahead of time. Okay, it's time to learn more about Jerry Morales. Jerry, thanks again for joining us today. Usually I always ask people, how did they get to the Permian Basin? Mm -hmm. But I think you were born and raised here. So tell us a little bit about your story. That's right. Millen is my hometown. And I always say it's been an honor to serve as mayor of my hometown. But born and raised here, mom and dad came, I mean, I'm still trying to get the right answer for them. I have not been able to get a good story about how they ended up here, but mom and dad are mom, dad's from San Antonio and mom is from the, the Valley Smithville in that area. And then mom ended up in Chicago. Dad kind of followed her to Chicago. And then one of the sisters moved to Midland, Texas. Oh. And then, then mom came to visit her, ended up staying. So that's how they made their roots here. And I would say that was probably in the fifties. And since then Midland has been home to almost all of the Morales family. And mom is, of course, Celia and Felipe, I, such yes. beautiful, you have such a, a wonderful family, everyone, including your your siblings as well, just great business people. Yes. T- how did they get started in business here in the oil and gas epicenter of the world? Mm-hmm. So let's go back to mom and dad, Felipe mm-hmm. and Celia, real quickly, you know, true entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And dad is kind of the rags to kind of richest story where he, I mean, self-made entrepreneur. He was very good at marketing, very good at selling he had visions and ideas, and then mom was the penny pincher, and she was very good about financials, and uh, I always like to tell the story. When we opened our restaurant, Casita Gerardo was the original name. My first paycheck, she took me down to the bank and got me, uh, me set up a checking account, Oh, and so I think I was 14 years old, and so, but anyway, mom- Smart mom. Dad, oh, I'm telling She's you. so she smart. So good, and made us read books, you know, and it was so big about education, but financial was really important to her. Mm-hmm. But mom and dad were just entrepreneurs. And so, like I said, dad could have a vision. He could have marketed. 
Mom knew how to put the P&Ls reports together. And they had several, several businesses going on at one time. Dad got into the insurance business and became a health and life insurance salesman, top agent for over 40 years. And together, he's been in that business for 50 years. He retired now. And mom always was right there on his side, just helping with that. Mom had a dream. She's like, I want to own a Mexican restaurant. This was back in 1976. Mm -hmm. And in 1977, they opened up the Casita Gerardo, which is our family Mexican restaurant. And I'm happy to say three generations later, we're still operating Casita Gerardo, except I reversed the name and call it Gerardo's Casita. I see. I did not know yeah. that. All these 21 years I've been going there getting the best chili relleno. Yep. <laughs> they, I never knew that it was originally, it was flip-flopped. It but, was. Because now, I mean, everyone calls it anything from Gerardo's to Gerardo's to Jerry's. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that one too. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to Jerry's Jerry's little house. <laughs> and, and that's what it means. Casita Gerardo yes. means Jerry's little house. Yes. So. And I always ask them, I'm like, why did you name it after me and not after my brother Nobert or after Cindy? And they're like, I don't know. God just gave us that name and we went with it. And so our logo was the St. Gerard. Uh-huh. And he's protected us all these years. So it's been nice. He sure has. And I bet your siblings have roused you too over the years too. Like, yeah, he's got the, he's got the restaurant named after him. Favorite child. <laughs> <laughs> there has been discussions, I promise you. Well, you have, you do. You have a fantastic family and a fantastic business here in town, but it's not just one business. You have now grown through the years. Let's talk a little bit about how you took that family-owned restaurant, mm-hmm. and then expand it. Yeah. So what happened is after I went to Texas Tech and I was studying restaurant management, while I was there, there was a concept that opened up called Harrigan's. And actually, they had been in, in, in position already, but they had a Harrigan's in Midland. I came to work one summer and fell in love with their concept. And so immediately, I went to work for Harrigan's, and they had about eight concepts at that time. Good steakhouse, you know, but the training was phenomenal. Their culture as far as, you know, teamwork, recipes were homegrown. And so everything had to be meticulous. The owners were just very meticulous. Mm -hmm. Then they decided to get into the Tex-Mex craze and they opened one in Lubbock on 50th Street. It was at that time called La Plaza de Julio's. And a year later, because it did so well, Tex-Mex craze was really exploding. We switched it to Don Pablo's. Mm -hmm. So I stayed with Don Pablo's 10 years. My family, we moved up to Dallas. Then we moved to Columbus, Ohio. And in that 10 years, I grew up the corporate ladder. We took it from one concept to 200 concepts when I left. Oh, wow. So I got to learn how to grow a franchise. I learned how to go on the stock market. We got to go to the Corona fields, the tomato fields, all of that. Fine. So at, at one point, they got sold out and it said, you know, it's time to come back home. I got in the insurance business with my dad. I said, this is not me. I cannot do this, dad. So the restaurant was actually empty for a few years. Mm-hmm. I cashed in my stock. And we bought Casita Gerardo's from my mom and dad in wow. 1997. And good for you for knowing what you did not want to do, because I yeah. think that's just as important as knowing what you do want to do. Right. Because a lot of times you might be in a, in a job and you think something just doesn't fit here, mm-hmm. but yet we don't listen to that voice. So what was it that made you go? Yeah. So as I was sitting on that insurance desk and the window was facing the restaurant, and as I was looking at the restaurants in Midland, I, my heart, you're right. My heart just kept saying, you you belong in the restaurant business. You like to intermingle with people every day. You, you like the challenges. You like the ownership. And so I, th- I think my heart just said, we're going to do this. We're going to get back into it. Now, I had just got back into Millen and did not realize the cyclical environment of the oil and gas. You know, everybody remembers the 80s, $8 barrel oil. In the 90s, wasn't much better. Right. And what year was that that you decided to open 90, the restaurant? 96, 97. And okay, so, the late so 90s, yes, it was. It was uh, a little rough. It was a little rough because I know I, I got here in 98 and oil was $8 a barrel. Yep. 
Yeah. So I, I think, again, my heart and my passion was just so strong that it wasn't paying attention to the economic environment. But regardless, we, we established it. And I have to admit, it was for our family, it was a tough five years. Mm-hmm. I mean, getting back up, even though we have been established since 1970, that doesn't mean anything. Right. You're starting fresh. You're starting you really fresh. Were. Right. And it was a little, you know, there were a few different recipes. Now, mm-hmm. I was able to hire the original cook my mom and dad had, which was nice. And we changed, you know, of course, a newer generation. So I took away the four white walls that they had. And I brought in, you know, back then it was murals. And a lot of color, festive atmosphere, loud music, mm-hmm. no carpets. You remember, I think they started mm-hmm. taking carpets out and you started going to tile floors. Right. So we kind of brought this new change into Midland. And it was good, but it was not busy, busy. So I'm telling you, for five years, we really went through that challenge. What was the biggest challenge and, and what did you learn the most during that time? Yeah, so trying to afford the labor. And a good thing, there was a labor market, but trying to afford it, taxes, taxes, mm. and then because we had an alcohol permit right from the get-go, you know, it's back then it was about 2000 to get started, then another 2000 in inventory for alcohol, 10000 in food and supplies. So, you know, you after you've already spent 100000 trying to get the restaurant ready, then you right. had another 40000 in inventory, then you had to set another side for payroll taxes and alcohol taxes. Mm-hmm. And you're just going, oh my goodness, what did I get myself into right. as an entrepreneur? But the smart thing is being able to work in the corporate world, we knew how to penny pinch. We knew how to do things on our own. We knew how to go get out there and go hustle for the business. And that's what we had to do is just hustle. We catered. I remember taking my first catering a year after we opened for 500. And we were like, oh my gosh, we can do this. We can do this. And sure enough, we pulled it off and it was right. great money. And after that, we really just started catering a lot to bring in extra income. And you were always there. I, I mean, I can remember yes. work, working it. The, the whole family was always in there working. It's not like you just opened the doors and then said, all right, employees, good luck. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm going to tell you. So my wife then, Meredith, she was doing the payroll. And if she, I wasn't working a shift, she was working a shift. And then the oldest son, Chris, was there helping bus. And, and we always had him there. But yeah, you went on a skeleton crew and we worked seven days a week, two shifts a week or all day. So it was tough. You know, and I think that's, that's living the American dream, though. That's right. And you know that it wasn't my first time, my first rodeo as far as being in business, but because working for the corporate world, starting from scratch with that company, it was very interesting. When you watch those guys work, and so you know it's teamwork. But I had a lot of fun opening my own restaurant. That's awesome. And you mentioned Chris. You now, of course, work hand in hand with Chris. You've expanded your restaurants. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about what that was like going from one to three. <laughs> yeah. So one time we actually had. Casita Gerardos. Mm-hmm. We had another Gerardos in Odessa. We had at the call center, the AT&T call center, we were feeding 700 people a day. Oh, wow. Yep. We were doing breakfast and lunch and snacks. We were operating 17 vending machines. We had the catering company. We opened another concept downtown. So we had about five or six concepts going at one time. And just, again, one, they imploded the building. They took it away from me. Two is the one in Odessa. They sold the building on me, so I had <laughs> lost that one. But every time I lost one, we would move into something else. And I just could never stop. And I always had this energy of doing more. So that was so exciting. And then Chris, my oldest, and Chase, my middle, both fell in love with the the industry. And they loved going on caterings. They would be right there helping making teas or warming up tortillas. And, of course, everybody loves the money. So (laughs) they didn't mind making a a few dollars here on the side. But it was was always been a family operation. And now you have the Mulberry Cafe. So today, yes, we have. So three years ago, there was a concept called the Harvest Cafe. 
and it was up for sale. And I had been in there for a restaurant event. And it's a great I, location oh. for anyone who's not from Midland. I mean, just a perfect location yeah. there next to what was Joe James Salon yep. and also Carter's Furniture. Exactly. And so the lady that owned it, she did a phenomenal job mm-hmm. design. When you walked in there, you didn't feel like you were in tech in, in Midland. You felt like you were in Dallas or Austin. It's true. And I just told her, I said, I don't know what it's telling me this, but if you ever decide that you want to get out, please call me first because I'm very interested in this concept. And so sure enough, about a year later, I got a call from her. She said, I'm, I think I'm ready to get out. And so my son, Chris, my oldest son, he has joined the business. Mm-hmm. And we looked at it and we said, we're, we're investing in this. We bought it and we kind of made some changes. We made it more full scale breakfast. And then we're kind of an American bistro with a, you know the salads, the burgers, the flatbreads, and so um, which are so good. And the tomato basil soup is amazing. Yeah, and <laughs> course, was it scary? Was it scary making a switch though? Because you had been in the Mexican food restaurant yeah. space for so long. Yes. How was that switch yeah, for you? Great, great question. So never doing breakfast, and breakfast is hard, and we were very scared. And I let my son go to research how to do breakfast. And he's such a smart and technology is his, his passion. Mm-hmm. So he went to one of our provide, food providers, Cisco in Lubbock, mm-hmm. and he sat with a chef for a couple of days and they worked on some recipes and he brought it back home and he's the one that created the menu and kind of got all of that going. So I'm more of the hands-on. I'm like my dad. I love to welcome people, shake their hands, make them feel at home. I can pour that coffee. Yes. But I'm also the kitchen operator. I love the kitchen. So we make a good team. And, you know, to, we went through trial and error just like everybody else. So we'll, after the first month, we, we had it down and we were ready to go. So that mulberry is a great concept. Well, what we love is everything is made from scratch. Everything is fresh. And it's always Casita Gerardo's. Right. Everything is made from scratch. But the mulberry is just unique. Yeah, you can really tell. It's, yes. It doesn't taste like anything you've, you taste at what you would consider a chain. Or mm-hmm. it, it definitely does have that fresh Well, with taste. the mulberry, it's kind of like a Mexican restaurant. People sit down and go like, I want to taste the chips and salsa to see if this place is going to be any good. Right. So ours was coffee. We had to make sure we bring, brought in a very good coffee and it hit home. So when it, it took that taste, we're like, all right, we're, we're hooked. Nice. And so it's been fun. So today we own two mulberries. We opened a second mulberry location downtown. Which serves the oil and gas industry. You're that's right, right there. I mean, you are right. That's a great location. That's right. We wanted to get all of that walking traffic so you mentioned the oil and gas. So I bought the mulberry in 2016 when oil had dropped down from $100 barrel oil to 30 The economy got flat and nobody was doing anything. I mean, <laughs> You it sound was, like us opening Rig ID yeah. Workwear. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, are you nuts? And so I remember reporters, reporters were coming from all over going, did you just buy this concept when the oil was down? Are you telling us something? I'm like, as the mayor and as what I'm telling you is, just like the oil industry, I'm, I'm taking a lesson from them. They buy, they do mergers, acquisitions, and they buy, buy, buy when oil is down because you can get a better price. And that's what happened with us. And so we just kind of had to wait it out a year. And sure enough, it came back and here we are. Uh, it was a goodbye. Yes, yes. a goodbye. <laughs> Let's, you mentioned that, and first of all, congratulations on, on your business and being so successful. And congratulations on being the mayor and city council. For 12 years, you've served yes. our community. Yes. And you have done an excellent job. Let's talk a little bit about some of the highlights that you're the most proud of through those years. Yeah. So again, it's. Oh, and just, how did you how did you fall into it? That's always I always love to hear how people yeah, thanks, fall Krista. from business into politics too. Well, I had no inclination to be in politics. I didn't know I had a passion for it. So again, the Gerardo's gets Gerardo's gets opened up, and we're only open a few years. And then I had served on at least a dozen nonprofits in the next two or three years. I mean, I, I could never say no. And I just love giving back. I love right. serving on. 
So I get a call one Christmas party from a good friend of mine and a good friend of yours. You just had Jose Cuevas. Yes. Jumbarito. And he calls me. He goes, Jerry, you are going to run for city council. I go, oh, no, I'm not. <laughs> he goes, you're running for city council. Bill Dingus has just announced that he's not going to run. He's going to run against Tom Craddock, speaker. And I said, I have no clue. I have no clue. I don't know what you're talking about. He goes, I'm going to help you. I'm going to coach you. I'm going to mentor you. I'm going to help send you a speech. And you're going to announce tomorrow. And this is how you're going to do it. So we announced, we ran for at-large. This uh-huh. was back like in 2002. And we went up against eight major heavyweight city leaders at that time. We didn't win that election, but we were the top money receiver, mm-hmm. which was something big back then. And then we came in third out of two seats. So we were very proud of our... So we went back to work. But what happened was, is there's this new young Hispanic entrepreneur in Midland who's aggressive, and we need to tap into him. So I started to get reeled into some of the bigger things. Mm-hmm. So there was a what they call a Type A tax, which is our Million Development Corporation economic tax today. The city leaders then said, we need you to go out there and get us a 1,000 signatures to put on the ballot. Oh, that way we can put it on the ballot. So I put a team together, and we collected the 1,000 signatures, and that's how we have the Type A tax today. That was probably my first step into politics. Mm-hmm. So after that, I served on that MDC board, that first board, learned a lot about the economy of Midland, ups and downs of the oil and gas industry. What do we need in Midland? The small business, everything. Mm -hmm. And then my job on MDC was to do international work. So I got to work with Mexico a lot. And and so back then there was a lot of trade or ports to planes. But from there, I started to get recruited to more nonprofits, but a little more heavier foundations, bank boards, and really got vested into the community very quickly. And then I chose to run for city council on my own under, again, my mentor, Jose. Uh-huh. So we won that election at large, okay. and that was in 2008. And that Okay, and so that's what then began. See, I didn't realize there was that big of a yep. uh, year difference there was. between the first time you ran. But obviously, that helped you to get you to where you were supposed to go, which was to be yep. mayor. Yep. So then you served on city council. Yeah, and then so 2008, to for the next six years, we served mm-hmm. as an at-large the second term, I did, I went unopposed. And it was just a great, oh my God, just a great feeling to be able to help. So during that term, the, my probably my biggest accomplishment was helping Millen Christian expand their campus into the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And it was very controversial because homeowners protect their neighborhoods. I remember that. And the time, school yes. needed, and they didn't want to move anywhere else. And they were vested in there and put a lot of money. So we were able to, after about a long year, get that program established. And so that was a big one for me. The next one was the oil and gas ordinance. And that's when we were going to start drilling in the city limits. Yes. Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So Mayor West Perry it was the mayor at that time. And again, I was at large. And then Scott Dufford, I believe, was the at large at that time. So we were very involved in helping to put that ordinance together. We had several large town hall meetings. I mean, they were so big that we had to move them to, at that time, the Millen Convention Center. Mm-hmm. And we had public meetings, of course, with surface owners, home builders, realtors, and then, of course, the hall of the oil industry. Then came in the State Railroad Commission. And so there was just a lot of discussion about setbacks and radiuses. And for those that maybe are not familiar with the battle, it was because there were oil and gas companies that wanted to drill within a certain amount of feet, yes, correct? That's correct. Of, of the homes. Yeah, that's right. And those homeowners were not happy with it. That's right. And so so how did you bring the community together and, and pass this? Well, and again, it was it, you had to really be passionate to both sides. Mm-hmm. You had to understand what you were getting ready to create. There, there was an ordinance, but it was very 
old and outdated mm. and not up to the new technology, which is not even new to technology today. But right. we just, it, environmental was probably the issue, protecting the water, protecting the air, protecting my land, my neighborhood, right. and wanting to make sure children weren't going to get hurt. Then the next part of that was the fencing and, you know, landscaping. But all I, Chris, I can tell you is just we had to have meetings after meetings. And there was a lot of yelling, a lot of crying. I mean, wow. men crying because they were they had been business partners for so long and they were getting mad at each other. Realtors said, you know, I've got to build my homes. I've got to make a living. But how do we protect the density? And, you know, pipelines are going this way and pipelines are going that way. How are you going to allow me to build on that? And so, you know, it was a lot of emotions involved. Right. And But we ended up working it out. We created the first ordinance template. We put it to to test. At that time, we the city hired an oil and gas coordinator, Ron Jenkins. He did a phenomenal job of being able to communicate and making sure to you know bring the both groups together and listen to everybody. And several years after that, as we started to use the ordinance, let me tell you, it was very, oh my gosh, I was always felt like my I better watch my back. They're going to come after me because there were some passionate residents. When you started stacking rigs into neighborhoods, mm-hmm. that became scary. Mm-hmm. So, oh, and then fracking, the pits. I'll never forget. Some of those look like big war zones, some of those pits. So we started learning how to clean those up. But I'm going to tell you one thing through all the years is the oil companies did a phenomenal job of trying to protect, take care of Midland. Right. So if we mentioned something, they would correct it lighting the fracking the drilling i mean it was amazing their technology and how well they improved it and and one one thing that i see visually as a community member is the big i'm, I'm the not wall, sound the, walls. the sound walls yes. that are now there mm-hmm. that really do make a difference they do. and those weren't there years ago and so i'm sure you had a role in that too and, yeah and, i mean like compressors were loud and mm-hmm. they're diesel today they're getting electric there's soundless generators in mm-hmm. fracking so the water RO systems that are portable now. Everything has just changed tremendously. And again, I applaud the oil and gas industry because everything that we mentioned to them or threw at them, they work to improve, to protect the citizens and protect our, our community. And so now, so over the last six years, tons of cities have asked for our template and uh, we're very proud of it that they've been able to utilize it. And, and then and the other part is you got to work with the railroad commission on the state level. Right. There's a lot of interaction with the railroad so there's that there's a set of policies at the railroad, the state level, and then at the local level. Let's talk about as mayor. So we we mm-hmm. talked about some of your highlights on city council. What are you most proud of as serving for mayor of Midland? Yeah. So in addition to those two things, but so as last six years, I can tell you one thing is getting all of our master plans updated. Every master plan is updated. So we knew that we were going to be a fast growing city. Never knew that we'd be one of the fastest growing cities in the nation for the last six years. Right. So we, we created a true comprehensive plan that the city and developers could use to, to really grow Midland properly. Mm-hmm. We always said as a city council, we wanted to make sure that city councils 30 years down the road said that group did a phenomenal job of planning Midland. Roads are planned the right way. Neighborhoods are planned the right way. The density is planned the right way. So I think in the last six years, we've done a great job of building out Midland roads there was no reason to invest in roads prior to 2008 because there was no activity. Right. So between 2008 and 2014, we did just very little road work. We just did this general straight maintenance. Right. There was less than a million dollars invested in our roads per year out of our city budget. I'm leaving office this year. We're now going to put 12.3 million just in our street maintenance budgets. It's wow. a record history. So we have shown that roads are a passion or are important. And then the citizens of Midland passed a $100 million road bond under my leadership, and I'm very proud of that. 
So we've been addressing almost $200 million worth of roads in the last six years. And then, which, and I don't, I think that people that don't that's right. live here don't, don't understand, it. <laughs> right? It's hard to guess because we've talked about the four, you know, key yep. issues that, that Midlanders are really, and, 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 and Odessa, all of us, the Permian yeah. Basin have been focusing on, which are, of course, the roads, education, right. healthcare, and housing. But if you don't live here, I don't know if you quite get yep. why it's such a problem, but that's right. it's like you mentioned in 2008. We didn't need the That's roads right. as you know to be worked on as much as we do today. Well, two numbers I like to you. So in 2014, we added 13,000 cars to our roadways, and then last year we added 33,000 more cars to our roadway. That's a lot of cars. That's a lot of cars. <laughs> and then in the last five years on our highways around us, we've had the highest fatalities. So mm-hmm. that just kind of gives you an idea of how busy it is on the roads. Right. The next one is water. You know, Mayor Perry, Scott Dufford, and myself. We were the group that worked on the agreement to bring the T-Bar Ranch in. And that T-Bar was bought back in the 1960s under Mayor Magruder. So we put it in a 48-mile pipeline, water line, and are able to bring 30 million gallons of water because we were in drought three restrictions, if you remember. So it was a coming out of a seven-year drought. So under my leadership, we bought another ranch called the Clearwater Ranch, which gave us another 25% more water, about 65 years of water. So... We're leaving Midland in a good shape with water. And what we need to do next under the new leadership is go after a long, long-term water supply, which is out there. And so buy that. So water's, I mean, if you live in the desert, water's precious. And that's probably the one thing you probably get thanked the least for that's right. is water. Yep. I mean, just thinking about it, I was like, wow, I never really thought about that. So thank you for bringing yeah. us water. <laughs> Where do you see the next 10 to 15 years? Because I I know yeah. that that Midland is so important to you. Mm-hmm. And I know that you're you're not going to stop volunteering. It'll be in a different capacity. Where Where do you hope that our community goes. Well, because we know that the Permian Shell is one of the most productive shells in the top one or two in the world. And as I keep mentioning, technology is so advanced with our old companies and just even here locally now, Millen will continue to be a top producer. I think that the shell is strong. There's 100 billion gallons of oil under here, they say. There's still much more to be tapped. There's no reason to go all after it at one time. So I think you're going to see Millen Odessa become the West Texas metro, strong metro like you see in the in the Metroplex or in Austin or Houston, we're going to be that big. We've seen data tell you that our population in the next, by 2030, could hit 800,000 people between the two cities. And then we know we have about 20 counties around us that could get us to that million easily. Mm -hmm. So Midland will will be a metropolis. It'll it'll be exciting to watch it grow. Mm -hmm. The industry, oil and gas industry will always be there, but I think you'll see several different industries coming in. So that was so important to make sure roads, water, Housing, we've built more houses. The medical and education, as you alluded to, we're seeing that new bond come in play. That'll pay off. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen there? I know there's still there there there's still some some yeah. numbers that are still out there, mm-hmm. but it has for those of you who have been following it, it had passed, it had not passed, but now it has passed again. Yeah. So why do you think that is so important, and why why do you think it's important for the community to come together well, for it? I can just tell you, as the leader for the last six years. As talk, and I talk to these CEOs of the oil companies in any new industry moving in or, or major business is we talk about education and they mm-hmm. bring it up. They, they know about our education and, you know, it's not where at the level it should be. And so it's good to see this bond moving forward. But I think what came out of this bond more than anything is more community unity and communication than ever. Mm-hmm. So everybody knows the situation with our education. We know about our Robin Hood that we're in. We know about the the facilities, the shape they're in, teacher shortage, 
and everything that's involved with academics. So I think you're going to start seeing more parents, more people get involved with education because it's such a high ticket item Mm -hmm. and you've got so many different parties that are invested and they care that they're going to start working together. Now that leads me to Priority Midland. Yes. So Priority Midland was an initiative I started last year and that became because once every few months, all of the five taxing leaders would meet and we'd have lunch and we would talk about our issues. So I'd come to the table and I'd say, guys, I need, we've got roads, we've got a labor shortage, we've got housing, water, and I would just talk about it. And mm-hmm. the school system saying, we need teachers, but we don't have housing, affordable housing, the healthcare, the hospitals say our emergency rooms busting at the seams, we need more nurses, we can't do it because we can't get housing. So that whole stage would go on. And finally, the superintendent said, you know, I wish you guys would have done something two years ago. And that was the final bottom line for me. And I said, we're going to do something. Mm-hmm. And I called my chairman of the Midland Development Corporation, Brent Hilliard. I said, Brent, we have got to go find 1,500 acres, 2,000 acres, and put in housing. we got to put in a small fire department, apartment, and it's got to be affordable housing. So, for example, and, and, the, and the city doesn't get into housing, right? or none of the tax entities do. But I said, we've got to put the five tax leaders and we've got to build houses and apartments for this group only where we can put nurses and teachers and first responders. So that was kind of how that whole story started. Oh, okay. And then from there, Brent Henry said, I've got a group that we need to talk to. It was the McChrystal group. The McChrystal group is the one that helped win the Iraqi war under General McChrystal. Mm-hmm. And that's where we are today. So today, Priority Midland addresses the five tax entities and their priorities. Mm-hmm. And how are we going to find solutions to those issues and strategically plan so that Millen doesn't suffer. Right. And that's the goal. We we know that oil and gas companies are moving here mm-hmm. and bringing their 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 team members here. We want to give them the best community possible because yes. I know you love Midland. Yes. I, I love Midland. What is it that you love most about it? Oh, the people. Yeah. The people are amazing. Even the new people that are moving in. Yeah. But growing up here, you know, when we we're 80,000 people, you just played in your streets. Everybody did everything together with your neighbor. The churches were strong, strong. And I'm seeing a comeback on the churches. It's strong mm-hmm. during this last campaign season. There's more churches. There's more denominations, which is great because mm-hmm. I don't care what it is, as long as you're going and working on your faith with another person, that makes our community stronger. So we see so many different nationalities now, and they're bringing different cultures. But they're amazing people. We have a Nigerian. We have the Burmese. We have Puerto Ricans and. I mean, they all are amazing cultures. And so we're all starting to come together and fit in here, but we need that workforce and we need that experience. But people make or making Midland, the giving back, our nonprofits, our foundations, amazing. Again, they- I've never seen it like like this in any other community. And and of course, I might be a little biased, but I really have never seen such a philanthropic community that- if there is a need, and we we just saw that not that long ago with yep. the unfortunate tragedy that yep. happened with the shootings, yes. the giving and just the outpouring of support right. when, when, when a tragedy hits, they come together. Well, when we had a teacher shortage problem, this was about three years ago, you saw the nonprofits, I'm sorry, the foundations come together and you put $6 million to give teachers raises. Yes. I mean, that was an amazing story. I can tell you, being the mayor, the fire and police all these oil companies are buying them a vest, buying them the tools they need to protect our community mm-hmm. just to make sure that they're protected and they're safe. So it's just examples like that. The county has bought fire trucks and ambulances for the city, and it goes on and on. So this is a very giving community. People, we're very giving. We take care of each other. The entrepreneurial spirit here is amazing. So 
Millen's a land of opportunities. What advice would you give to an entrepreneur coming into our community and with your experience? Yeah. What, what's the number one thing? Today, I would tell you that there are so many resources out there that you don't have to do it on your own. And because we've seen the oil and gas industry, what I love about the oil and gas industry is you'll see these service workers and they've worked for that company, that service company for five years and they've, they've grasped it and they're ready to go on their own. And they can go to the banks and the banks believe in them and support them. Then they can go to a, a, a Millen College Cogdale and go through small business training or the SBC. And But there's just a resource everywhere to help you get on your feet. And then before you know it, within two years, they're doing amazing with their company. So Millen is just, again, I, I've never seen so many opportunities come alive through Midland and, and its uh, resources. What is the number one business tool that has helped you as a business owner and also as mayor through the years? Yeah, so for me in my industry, the restaurants, we're very, whether whether it's a large corporation, a franchise, or a mom and pop like me, we work together. And so mm-hmm. like our Permian Basin Restaurant Association, it's amazing to to help each other, pick up the phone, saying, do you understand this new TBC, Texas Alcohol Beverage Commission law? Do you understand this new employment law? And so I think for me, within your own industry, making sure that you have that culture established and that you rely and help each other and lift each other up. So I get calls all the time. I'm out of this shortening, or mm-hmm. can I borrow one of your catering? Because we want each other to succeed right. and we want to protect our industry and be known as friendly restaurant industry. So, you know, helping each other out is one. And then, and two, there, again, I can't tell you within the city of Midland, we have formed a collaboration of all the departments. So if Chris Escamilla wants to take this podcast to another level and gets her own standalone building downtown, we want you to come downtown and meet with all of our different departments to figure out the best way that you makes your business fit into that downtown business and how we can save you money. So why would you spend money on this when you could go this way is what we would offer you. So maybe you suggest if someone is coming into town, an entrepreneur, they come and actually meet with the city. That's right. First. That's right. Before anything. Reach out to a city council member mm-hmm. or the planning department and let us help you get on your on your feet. And then after that, I like after they talk to me and we've gone kind of through their blueprint, I'll say, go to Millen College, go talk to them about financing or planning, business planning, or maybe Odessa has something. Mm-hmm. And so we just have the resources. And you know what? We have to do it. We have to be sustainable out here because we're out here on our own. Right. And and that is another good point that a lot of people don't realize how far yeah. <laughs> how far away we are from big cities, uh, five and a half hours to mm-hmm. every major city in Texas. So I'm looking forward, as you keep mentioning these things. As I go forward into my new chapter, just being from behind the scenes and be able to, like Jose Cuevas did for me, get me in politics, I can't wait to take that new 25 to 30-year-old who wants to take steps into city government mm-hmm. or a nonprofit or their own business. It's going to be exciting to help people. That really is. That is going to be exciting. What do you want your legacy to be? You know, that one is I gave back to my community and really took care of the people. That people saw that I did this for our hometown, for the people. I did it. I'm passionate about people succeeding. And again, I know the trial and errors that I went through and I don't want people to have to suffer that much. Right. If I can help them succeed a little faster, that's what I want to do. And and not to have be fearful, you know, like know that there's through prayer and integrity, communication and unity that you can succeed and that Millen's a great place to raise a family, to mm-hmm. do business. I just always, I don't ever stop saying we're living the American dream out here. And a lot of people... Whenever I get to interview worldwide reporters, I tell them, you wouldn't believe the American dreams out here. They're coming alive. So true. 
you mentioned trials and errors, and I think it's important. I think we all learn from mm-hmm. from our mistakes or, or our failures. I hate to call them that because yeah. I really feel like they really just push us forward to be better. Yeah. Is there one instance that you could maybe talk about that really kind of helped you and maybe shaped where you are today? So I may get... A little personal here, but no, that's matter, good. That's, what, running, that's, where, not, that's not, where I'm going, yeah. Jerry. Let's get personal. <laughs> I, I'm not running uh, for office anymore. So, so and, you know, in the last 12 years, this politics, and I never thought I was in politics, but it is politics, and it does. It, it's it's hard on your family. And so, as I was talking to you and Al, you know, like my father going through dementia. Who would have ever thought he would have gone through dementia? And the impact that your leader in your family can no longer walk and talk, and is losing his memory, and has to go to assisted living. So that's tough on your family. Mm-hmm. And you, then you start to worry about your mother. And, and let me say, while I'm saying all these things, this is why you're trying to be mayor and run your restaurants right. or your business. And, and then and be a dad and grandpa. And that's it. And so then then there comes your son getting married. There comes grandkids. And then there's a son that gets in trouble. And you have to go through that trial and error. And then, as I mentioned, I went through a divorce. And, and you're like, is God really? I mean, you hear that all the time. God is really challenging me because you're the face of Midland. You're the leader of Midland. And one thing that I never wanted to do was let Midland down. My, the, the citizens of Midland did not ask for this. And so it was always important to me that I maintained a very professional image with integrity that as I ran my restaurants, they had to be run professionally because that was the face of Midland. Reporters, everybody came through our restaurants. Mm-hmm. And then the city council is looking up to you and needed your guidance. And so it was important that even though they knew that my trials that I was going through, tribulations that they knew that, you know what, he's still being a leader and he's leading us. And so, and then the 150,000 people in Midland did not, that just, I didn't want to give Midland a black eye ever. So in the back of my mind, I just praying and praying. And even though it's hard sometimes and you're like buckling at the knees, you got to keep moving forward. You can't, you can't break down. And so my deal was to be strong, to be a leader and represent Midland because America, the world was watching us because of the Permian shell. So it was tough. It's been tough. Well, you've done a beautiful job oh, at it. You. And I think a lot of people would not know that you went through all that mm-hmm. if they didn't know you personally, that you have persevered mm-hmm. and that all those things just make you stronger and they take do. you to that to that next phase of life. Yeah, they, so. they you just you become more mature. You you definitely are very more, more understanding of people's situations. Mm-hmm. You're able to give better advice. And so as I go into this next chapter, everything that I've learned in the last 20 years, especially in the last 12 I know I'm going to be able to touch people's lives even more so, and that's through the grace of God. So what is next? What is the next chapter? Yeah, I had thought about that. You know, I said, I'm going to get through the rest of this year (laughs) and enjoy family, enjoy myself. And then 2020, I don't, I think the first six months, I'm focused on the restaurants. I know my son is so excited to have me back and my daughter-in-law, I I failed to mention Ashley is my daughter-in-law. She's also in the business. And so I'm, I'm excited to work with those two and see how we grow our concepts make them better. I have employees that have been with me 25, 20, 15 years. And I mean, a dozen of them. That's fantastic. And so it's important that I give back to them. So I would say I'm going to focus on that. I do want to serve on a state commission. That's one of my big goals. I'm going to get on a state commission. And then after that, I'll probably just take care of my industry and take care of Jerry. 
Fantastic. And we haven't even mentioned her, and she's so amazing, your sister, Cindy. Yes. I know that she was instrumental and always has been yep. in supporting you and when you've run for office. And she is just an amazing woman. And so I just did not want to go this whole yeah. podcast and not mention Cindy, because I know she is so important to your life because you are, you're, you're a family-owned business, but mm-hmm. you also are, if anyone has been to your business, they know that Cindy's is right next yep. to yours. And I mean, y'all right. are all right there together. Yeah. And real quick, so I'll, Cindy's a fire. Fireball. Cindy's a fireball. <laughs> and you talk about the glue. Cindy's the glue of our family. And so for her, for this mayorship, she knew I really, she didn't know where I was going with it, but she didn't care. She stepped in and took a leadership role and a sister to make sure everything was okay. Mm-hmm. And then my brother-in-law, Greg, was my treasurer. He works with Cindy. So Cindy and Greg worked together Fantastic and they took over couple. mom and dad's insurance company. Mm-hmm. And then Nover is my brother, who's an attorney in Austin. And those are the my, my siblings. And then but as a family, we we all support each other. We don't. We had this meeting the other day. Our family. We have family meetings all the time. <laughs> I and love that. Cindy, mom, and Nora and I were talking about my dad and his dementia situation. But what we what what we mentioned is we never fight. We never argue. We never put each other down. We never curse in front of each other. It's an amazing relationship. And so whenever we do get to a point, we just make sure that we pick each other up. And but Cindy is definitely our glue. And I'm glad you brought her up because she deserves want, all the credit. She, I just wanted to give her a shout. I think <laughs> I think she's just such a lovely lady. So I also want to ask you before, because we're running out of time. I yeah. know it's gone quick. Is there anything coming into this interview that you were like, oh, I hope that the listeners get to know this about me or anything important that you feel you want to share? Yeah, you know, I, I think this is probably the most personal I've ever been in six years on a conversation I with, appreciate with that. I'll, I'll say reporter. And the only reason is, is now I know that I don't have a, I'm not in that leadership role. And even though I, I think from behind the scenes, I'll have a strong leadership role, but I think it's now it's time to get personal and tell people what I went through and how hard we had to work for six years because we were one of the fastest growing cities in the nation. Mm-hmm. And I mean, fast. And with that going on, there was family challenges. There was restaurant challenges, business challenges, and it's not an easy role, but you know what? We can do it. We can help each other. So for me to be able to share that feels good, good. and exciting because I know there's people out there that are struggling. Every day. Uh, yes. I know people out there that are on top of the world and doing great, but sometimes they just need to know that there's somebody else out there going through the same issues and challenges. And so we just got to support each other and help each other out. Again, that's the community that we live in. Do you have a favorite quote or Bible verse that maybe got you through this time? Yeah, you put me on the spot. <laughs> I probably do, but I don't know what it is. No, I'm not going to answer that. That's okay. That's, that's, tough. Now that's, you got me on that's all right. I know. Yeah. I was. I, you were going personal. I thought, yeah. okay, let's just keep going, Jerry. Yeah. Well, no, I really appreciate you sharing this time with us. It has been so wonderful to hear more about how you got to where you are, mm-hmm. and just and that I think it's always important to know that you're not alone, and with struggles and the up and down in the that's oil right. and gas business, and and just life and family mm-hmm. in general, because it's not easy. But if you just, you know, just hold on and keep keep going, that's keep, right. keep on keeping on. Just believe. Then, and believe then yeah. it's all it's all gonna work out. That's right. And on behalf of the community, I want to thank you for your service because I know the last twelve years you've put your heart and soul into Midland. And I think a lot of people don't realize what really goes into that. Mm-hmm. And so thank you on behalf of all of us. Well, thank and, you and, and all of y'all. There's so many servants out here and you're one great, great example. Your husband, Al, is a great example, but to the leadership on council and all the tech, there, there's, you're right. When you put your face on that leadership, it's tough and con- con- kudos to them. Absolutely. If anyone wants to reach out to mm-hmm. you, 
or find you. I know you're on social media. Yes. Let's let everybody know where the restaurants are. And also that way we can support you as you go for the sure. commit. Is it the, the commission you said? Yeah, for- we'll see. I'm going to try yeah. to look for a state commission. I, I talked to that. Tom Craddock, Speaker Craddock, and I said, I liked it. And he sent me a list. So I'm going to go through it and see what I do there. Well, very good. So well, how do they um, find you? Yeah. So Gerardo de Casita. We're at 2407 North Big Spring Street. And again, we're on Facebook. So definitely go to Facebook and find us. And then there's the Mulberry Cafe on Wadley Street, 2101 West Wadley Street. And then we have the downtown location. And the best way to find the down, Mulberry downtown location is inside the Frost Bank building on Wall Street. So please check out one of our locations. Again, as I mentioned earlier in the discussion, everything's fresh. We're family owned and we really work on that you know service. It's going to get better now that I'm back. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Well, Jerry, thank you so much. We appreciate you spending this time with us. And of course, all you've done for the Permian Basin. So thank you. My honor. Thank you. It's now time to announce today's community MVP. And our community MVP is 311 Ministries under the direction of the amazing Stephanie Wilbanks and hundreds of volunteers, 311 helps children and families by making their Christmas brighter. Last year, 311 provided a full Christmas package to 1,827 children, but it's more than that. 311 is a nonprofit with a total of six programs that help children in our community. They couldn't do without volunteers. So if you would like to volunteer or more information on how you can donate go to 311ministries.org. A special thanks to Baker Hughes for sponsoring Permian Perspective. Baker Hughes, as you know, recently launched a new and reimagined Baker Hughes brand. As an energy technology company, they are striving to make energy safer, cleaner, and more efficient for people and the planet. And that's it. Another special thank you to Mayor Jerry Morales for sharing with us today. We really appreciate his time and his knowledge and just his honesty and openness with us today. And this concludes our episode of Permian Perspective, the story behind the oil and gas leaders in the Permian Basin. So just remember my motto, dream big, believe in yourself and never give up. You make it a great day. Hey guys, Alex here with the events on deck for December. We'll be having two OGGN happy hours to kick off 2020. One will be in January in Houston. We have not announced the date yet, but we'll get back with you guys soon on that. And we will be having our first happy hour in Pittsburgh in February 2020, also with the date coming soon. So stay tuned on those. Upcoming events include the Bells of Houston, a masquerade, unmasking the stigma of PTSD. This will take place on December 5th in Houston. The Latin America Oil and Gas Summit is December 5th and 6th in Uruguay. The API Energy Houston Chapter General Meeting will be held on December 11th, 2019 in Houston. The Wildcatters Ball is taking place on February 7th, 2020 in Houston. And lastly, the IPAA Leaders Industry Luncheon will be held on December 11th in Houston. That's all of the events for this month, guys. Be sure to tune in at the beginning of January to see what's happening then. Tune in next week for another episode of Permian Perspective, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at www.oggn.com.